Well, one of the um, very special memories I have from the, the last time I was working here at St Barnabas was taking over 100 weddings uh, over in the church. We had heaps of weddings, sometimes three on a Saturday, and you had to be very careful that people didn't sign the wrong one in the register. Uh, and um, always so special. I mean, every wedding is special and a special occasion. Uh, but there's also something... Who, who, who's been married here at St Barnabas? Let's... Oh, look at that. Yeah. Gosh, how many years at the back there? <laughs> what a diplomatic answer, Greg. <laughs> Too many or not enough. Okay, and some far more recently. Um, and um, yeah, and that's always exciting to see uh, Braden's and Kaylin's very recently. And uh, I also had a lovely um, wedding just before Christmas for a couple, Gracie and Joe. And Joe's um, from an uh, Egyptian background, from a Coptic Christian tradition. And his bride, Gracie, uh, learnt uh, her wedding vows in Arabic. And we carefully um, just subterfuge, got them out just at the t at the time of the making of the vows and it was so special and I think there was a tear um, in her husband's eye. But isn't it special when a couple express their desire at a wedding to walk in Christian faith together uh, throughout their life and where Jesus is in fact the most important guest at the wedding uh, as we saw in our story. So in our gospel reading from John 2, Jesus with his mother and his new disciples, this is right at the beginning of his ministry, were guests at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. And weddings then started on a Wednesday, believe it or not, and celebrations went on for about a week. So that's, that's some wedding. Uh, and so perhaps it's not surprising that eventually they ran out of wine. But of course, that would have been hugely embarrassing for the host family all the same. Who'd ever heard of a wedding without wine? Uh, you don't just have water at a wedding. There's special uh, things at a celebration. So what were they going to do? Well, Jesus' mother uh, seemed to know what to do. There's no reason to suppose that she was expecting any miracles that day but it seems that she had grown to trust her son and that he would help her, as no doubt he did at home. And I think we can learn from Mary here too. She went and told Jesus about the problem. Do we do that with our problems, however small they may seem and mundane, trivial even? Jesus cares. And Jesus um, replied to his mother, did you notice, it seems a bit startling to us, maybe even a bit, a bit gruff. Uh, the message puts it like this. Is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time, don't push me. Oh, interesting way of putting it. But isn't, I wonder actually if Jesus is realising that in his mother's appeal to him, actually is coming the voice of his Father God in heaven, saying, your hour has come to begin your work and to reveal the love of God and the joy that it will bring to all who open their hearts to him. And so now that he is going to need to be listening for directions from his Father God, not from his earthly parents. So maybe this is a time of transition where he's going to be no longer under the authority of his Nazareth family, but now will fulfill his ministry and mission as the Son of God. 
And Mary accepted that humbly. She didn't argue with Jesus. Um, maybe a lesson there for, for parents among us. Uh, but she said something which I think showed her, her trust and faith in Jesus. She said to the servants, very simply, do whatever he tells you. Obey him. He can be trusted. Have faith in him. And so Jesus says to the servants, we'll take those six enormous water jars over there and fill them with water right up to the brim uh, so there's no space to add in any red food colouring or any tricks like that. And we hear that they did. And each one held 20, 30 gallons of water. That's somewhere between 75 and 115 litres. So line up your plastic milk containers. That's at least 75 of them. Okay. Now, I might need a help from one or two people over here who could just help me uh, we'll just put that over there at the moment. There's our uh, water containers, and I've only gone for four, seeing that's all that fitted on the sheet, so um, I hope that'll do for today. But there's our four containers filled up with water. And now Jesus says to them, now draw some of the water out and take it to the master of the banquet, the MC, we would say. And we all know what happened. Would someone like to come and just help me a little bit with my visual aid there? Yeah, okay, John, come on over and give me the first one. We'll take some turns. Now, can you just stick your finger in there and just pull that one out nice and slowly? Let's come up a bit so we can just pull it up. Can you go straight up? Whoa. Oh, wow. Well done. Well done. Look, look what's happened. Alright, so there we have our water chained into wine. Now, did you notice on the video clip, and I have a feeling too, that the water didn't actually become wine until the servant actually dipped their cup into it to get the glass for the MC. And I think Jesus was actually testing their faith and their obedience. They could have said, no way are we going to dip into that jar and take the Toastmaster a glass of plain water when he's expecting wine. We'd be fired on the spot and we'd look right stupid to boot because they knew that they'd filled those jars with water. But yet they did what they were told. They were used to. They were servants after all. And their obedience was rewarded. The water was indeed now wine. And they knew that Jesus had done it. I wonder whether Jesus sometimes does that with us. Asks us to do something. And we actually have to take that step of faith. Uh, someone said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. What does that spell? Risk. Risk. That's interesting. Faith, F-A-I-T-H. Sometimes it's spelt R-I-S-K. And we're called to obey, and then God does the work and supplies in abundance. Because as we heard, it was not just any old wine. Uh, the MC of the banquet tasted it and said, everyone else brings out the very best wine first and then leaves the real cheapo stuff till the end when no one uh, really uh, notices the difference. But you have saved the very best till last. 
uh, God always keeps the best till last. I know the motto of one, uh, at least one Christian mission is the best is yet to come. And I think that's a lovely promise uh, that God gives to us. The best is yet to come. And of course, for a Christian, that includes the promise of eternal life in God's presence beyond death. Well, I bet the news soon got around that wedding of what Jesus had done and how it had happened. I can't imagine the servants would keep it to themselves. And no doubt the guests soon heard and they told others and so it went. But it was more than just a piece of local sort of village gossip to talk about and to wonder at. And I love the way John says, this the first of his miraculous signs, and that's a word we'll see often in John's gospel, the sign Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. So it was a miracle, yes, but it was also meant to be a sign that Jesus was the glorious son of God. And his new disciples, brand new, saw and believed and put their trust in Jesus and followed him. Do we give God the chance to reveal his glory in our own lives and in our church and in our neighborhood, and so to increase our faith in him? Fill the water pots with water. Fill them to the very brim. God will honor all your trusting. Leave the miracle to him. And I think the key, perhaps, for us lies in Mary's words. Would someone else like to come and have a bit of a go at um, pulling out the next one? Who'd like to have a go? Do you want to come over and have a go, Reese? Okay, let's, let's come and um, do it down here. Come over and we're going to pull the red one out. Okay, right up. Whoa, well done. That was fast. That was snappy. Okay, let's see if we can read it. Let's see if everybody can read it together. Thank you, Reese. Do Whatever Jesus tells you, there's Mary's message to us. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Well, there's a challenge, isn't it? Do whatever Jesus tells you. Are we hearing what God is saying to us? Are we as a church hearing what God is saying to us? Do we give God the opportunity to speak to us? Prayer is sometimes likened to a phone conversation with God. And uh, there's this little poem, some of you may remember, Michelle Coist, and it talks about prayer as a telephone conversation. I have just hung up. Why did God telephone? I don't know. Oh, I get it. I talked a lot, but I listened very little. Forgive me, Lord, because it was a monologue and not a dialogue. I told you my ideas, but I didn't wait to get yours. Since I didn't listen... I didn't learn anything. Since I didn't listen, I can't help. Since I didn't listen, we didn't really communicate. Forgive me, Lord, for we were connected and now we're cut off. Prayer should be that two-way conversation, shouldn't it be? We speak and listen. It's a lovely verse in John 8. Whoever belongs to God hears every word that God speaks. Whoever belongs to God hears every word that God speaks. I find that pretty challenging, and I think that would be a good aim, a good sentence for this year. John 8, 47. 
Whoever belongs to God hears every word that God speaks. May I hear what God is saying to me through prayer times, through scripture, through Bible study, through when we meet together through the body of Christ with whom we share our lives. Do whatever Jesus says to you. Yes, we need to hear what God's saying, but then we also need to do it and to obey. And I often feel we know in our hearts what God is perhaps prompting us to do. Perhaps pop in to see someone or ring them up, uh, listen to them, drop them a note, give someone a hand, send some money. But perhaps we don't ever quite get round to it. And it might be something quite small that God's asking us to do. Because actually Jesus' miracle of turning water into wine actually started off with helping the neighbours, getting the neighbours out of a fix. But the words are, whatever it is, Jesus says to you, do it. And so let's pray that we'll be willing to do whatever Jesus says to us and to do it in his strength by the power of the Spirit. Of course, do whatever Jesus says to you might involve making a change or two in our lives. Because when Jesus took over at that wedding, everything changed. And not only water into wine, but the whole mood of that party changed from embarrassed and worried to joyful and happy. And the disciples changed too. And it can be the same with us. Allowing Jesus to have that control of our lives can change the mood of our life. It's an ongoing process, isn't it? Jesus was an invited guest at that wedding, but he took control of the situation. And when we invite Jesus to be in our life, he wants to take control too. That's what it means to be Lord of our life when we say Jesus is Lord at our baptism. Now, we might not always like that idea at first. We can struggle, some of us more than others, to give up control, can't we? As many of us have found in this COVID era, we don't always have control of what's happening. But the results when we trust Jesus can be as thrilling as at the wedding when Jesus starts performing those miracles. So let's pray and look for them. Jesus gives us the new wine of the kingdom of God, but that has to be a new wineskins, the Bible says. And if you think of your skin, uh, it might, I don't know if anyone's got sunburnt, heaven forbid, but when uh, perhaps some of your skin peels off, it can be a bit uncomfortable when God changes our wineskin. Uh, maybe you feel a bit like a lizard or a snake or something like that when it sheds its skin. Maybe it's a bit itchy, but we are being transformed into the image of Jesus and being made whole and healed and forgiven and rearranged into the image of Jesus. Uh, there's a song we used to sing here, God longs to do so much more than our faith has yet allowed to thrill us and surprise us with his sovereign power. So will we let God act in our lives this year as we recommit in January to life together. Yes, it involves change, and we're often not that keen on change, and we know we're going to face change again uh, in our live streams community very soon. We're going to change our venue in a couple of weeks over to the church. You can already see things are coming down, and things are looking a bit emptier. Uh, and then, of course, we're changing our time. Some of you might be thankful for that, but uh, don't take, uh, we're going to be half an hour later, uh, and that's going to be, we're going to have to manage that together. 
but God's good purposes are there to give us life and joy, just as at that wedding in Cana. And so let's trust in God's good purposes for us, even amidst the inconveniences and challenges that we may face this year. Romans 8.28 is a great verse, and I love it in the message. We can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. We can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Who'd like to do my last page for me? Who'd like to do it? Jesus changes us for good. Okay. We trust and we know that Jesus is at work in our lives and that that change in us becomes something that is there for good, but also for good things, for good purposes, and that's a lovely thing to hold on to. I've got a bit of a wrap that we're going to put up on the screen there. Okay, I'm going to say the first line. If you could respond together with the yellow line, and let's get into the groove of this. Who turned water into wine? Jesus changes us for good. Stopped the panic, made it fine. Jesus changes us for good. This is not an ancient story. Jesus changes us for good. It's the start of Jesus' glory. Jesus changes us for good. Twelve disciples first believe. Jesus changes us for good. Follow Jesus, never leave. See the guest who takes control. Jesus changes us for good. Empty lives becoming whole. Jesus changes us for good. Why does Jesus want to see change? Jesus changes us for good. For good, indeed. Okay. Uh, let's just pray together our colleague today. I wanted to keep it for now because it's got such lovely words to it. God of feast and community, Jesus blessed a wedding and turned water into wine. Let our lives bless you, and our work reveal the wine of your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, um, I wondered whether some of you children would like to make your own one of those. Okay? So, uh, Flo and Evie, perhaps, would you like to give a hand? Because I've got some here that are A4. Okay, not quite as big as mine. But you can, what you need to do, you're going to be given one of these which has got the pots on, and you're going to need to cut out the middle of the pots. You might need a bit of help just for some of our smaller ones, just to, to do that, but you can't go too far wrong there. And then you're going to be able to stack behind it all the other pages, so you can pull, oh no, leave that one in, that's right, so that you can pull out the water, change it into wine, and then you can change it so that you've got the message, which is Jesus tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. I wonder if Jesus might turn in a party up the bedroom in January. <laughs> <laughs>
seen here, so we might need to share them around, but I'll let uh, Evie and Flo perhaps a few things just sort out so that everybody's got uh, something to share around. Thank you so much. Jesus changes us for good. Becky's going to lead us.